Welcome to See You Later, the podcast where we unpack the good and the baggage that comes with growing up as a third culture kid. My name is Caroline Mason, and I am your host and a third culture kid. If you've never heard the term third culture kid or TCK, allow me to explain. A TCK is someone who has spent a significant amount of their developmental years in a country slash culture different from that of their parents. Both of my parents are American, and they moved their little family to Estonia, where I was born. I lived there for 10 years before moving to Hungary. I've spent 19 years of my life outside of my parents' passport country. I know a thing or two about what it feels like to be out of place, to feel like you do not belong, to feel like you do not have a space that is yours. If that resonates with you, see you later is that space. If you feel like you're perpetually out of place, you have a place here. This podcast is for the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds who are navigating what does it mean to say goodbye? To end a significant chapter of their lives, to begin new relationships, to connect with new friends, to interact with their parents in an adult relationship, to deconstruct their faith, unlearn harmful things and habits, and learn new lessons. This podcast is a space to grow and heal and laugh and hopefully learn a thing or two about what it means to be a third culture kid, to exist in a body as a TCK or an ATCK, adult third culture kid. I'm going to be having conversations with fellow third culture kids about what it means to be a TCK, to grieve, to be an adult, to laugh at ourselves for funny moments in other cultures, about what it looks like to let go, to build new relationships, to reflect, to go to therapy, to go to church, to establish roots, to pick up roots. What does all of that mean? What does it look like? That is what See You Later is for. I hope that as I give you a little glimpse into my story, into my life, that you feel like Yeah, I see myself in that. I see a piece of me. And if you don't, I hope you can say, you know, I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to know what it's like to be in your shoes. I want to help my friends who feel out of place feel like they have a place with me. That means the world. If you're wondering where the title comes from, it is a nod to a phrase I've heard all my life. I'm assuming many other TCKs have heard it too. It's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. I chose this title as a nod, both for the irony, but also as an acknowledgement that some things are a goodbye. Some things are a see you later, some are not. And it is good to acknowledge that something is a goodbye. Something is an end. This is the end of a chapter. End of an era. End of something. And that's heavy. That's weighty. And it is also good. I'm currently in my last semester of college, and I am staring a potential see you later or a goodbye in the face. And it feels very heavy. It's timely that now is when I am making this podcast. I am publicly sharing part of my heart, part of my story with whoever listens to this. So without further ado, this is See You Later. I'm so glad you're here. Today on the podcast, I have the one and the only Arena Topman. Welcome to see you later, Arena. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Could you introduce yourself? Tell tell the people a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Arena, like Caroline said. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying uh, worship leadership. So my degree is a Bachelor of Music, but I'm planning on going into ministry after I graduate. I'm a TCK, a missionary kid, a pastor's kid, all of the Ks. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up overseas. I spent most of my time in Niamey, Niger, and then in Europe. And so that's where I spent most of my life, but I've kind of been around the block a bunch. 
So for people who aren't familiar with the term TCK, which stands for third culture kid, how do you define that? How do you explain that to someone who isn't familiar with that? Fantastic question. I would say a third culture kid is someone who lives in an environment that is a blend of different cultures. And in order to fit in, they have to mix their culture with the cultures around them. Um, And so that could mean anything from an American living overseas to someone who's not American going to school in America, or even those can even take place in the United States just because of how diverse our um, population is in the U.S. But that's kind of how I would describe it. The key that I've heard is that it is a significant chunk of someone's developmental Mm -hmm. years spent in a different country. Um, So it's not just like an adult moving them overseas. That's a very different thing than a child who's living ages like five to 10 in a different country. Um, And it also is different from an immigrant, but there are some characteristics that we can relate to. I think one illustration I heard that has stuck with me when I've explained this to other people is especially like the kid versus adult thing is Play-Doh and marbles. So like if you take a child and move them, let's say you move them from the U.S. to France, it's kind of like taking red Play-Doh and blue Play-Doh and mashing them together. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes that purple. So it's like a third culture in and of themselves. And they can't separate like what's American about them, what is French about them. But if you take an adult, it's like mixing blue and red marbles which I think is just like, it's a helpful image for people to grasp onto because you can still separate marbles. You can still say, oh yeah, that's American or that's French, but there is still some mixing. Do you feel like you identify as a TCK? Is that a term that you have used since moving to the States? Is that something you've kind of like strayed away from? Oh, I absolutely use that all the time. It's actually funny. I feel like I'm leaning more and more into my third culture kidness for the longer I stay in the U.S., Um, Then even when I first moved back, it's definitely something that I use to help explain who I am, not necessarily define, but yeah, who I, how I explain who I am. I think it's helpful language to have, like, it's not just, oh, I'm weird or I'm complicated or other terms that sound a little more negative, but it's like, no, there's a label. There's something that helps me make sense of who I am and my identity. So you shared briefly kind of some of your homes, but could you share a little bit of your story, maybe even like explain how we know each other? (laughs) My parents both were called to the mission field very early on, but they spent the first few years of their marriage in the United States just like preparing to go to the mission field. Um, And so we first moved to Western Africa and we had to move around a little bit there because of some civil wars that took place. But um, for the most part, we lived in the Sahara Desert, worked at an international school. And so I just kind of grew up just working alongside my parents. They really viewed missions is not something that they did and we were just along for the ride but it was something that our family did together and so I really appreciated that and it worked really well for my personality because I just kind of threw myself in and I was like yeah and then when I was in uh early to late middle school uh my family moved back to the states and then we moved to Europe and that's where I met you Caroline um we went Mm -hmm. to school together um at an international Christian school and both my parents worked there um eventually my dad moved on to do stuff with our mission organization instead But yeah, that's kind of where and how I grew up, just spending a lot of my time in like missionary international bubbles, I guess you could say. That's my life. Nice little nutshell. You're like, well, I moved here and there, but you know, (laughs) I think that's something that for TCKs, it is so difficult to answer the question, where are you from? Because I mean, that's just a great synopsis right there of like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of from all over. 
But yeah, I think it's cool because we have we were able to meet in Hungary, but at the same time, we have different experiences mm. because for me, like I spent my whole life in Europe. I was in Estonia and then Hungary. Whereas for you, like you have different continents mm. thrown in there, which is definitely a unique experience. I would love to hear a little bit more about your international school mm. experience because you've dipped your toe into at least two yeah. of those. When you look back on that time, um, what emotions arise? Just tell me a little bit more about that. Great question. I have a lot of mixed emotions with my experience with international schools. I definitely think, like, I don't think, I know that I was super blessed with the schools that I went to. I feel like there's something really special about international Christian schools um, with the relationship that students have, not only with one another, but with their teachers. And honestly, I still talk to quite a, like, quite a number of my teachers from high school more so than I talk to some of my classmates, but just because they're there, not because they need a job, but because they love teaching and they love their students. Like, especially when I lived in Niger, like Niger is not a tourist country. You don't move there because you like to sightsee. You're moving there literally for the kids. And so that just really changes the dynamic between the students and the teachers. Not everything is going to be perfect. Um, And so I do have some like not good experiences, but overall, I would say that I was really blessed with the relationships that I had with my teachers. As far as classmates go, um, I definitely wouldn't change anything that happened. And I did, at the time, I had a really good experience in high school and elementary school. I still have a lot of really deep, close friendships. Um, But at the same time, I think that, especially in high school, the effort to be a Christian international school uh, there were some some conversations about grace and about, yeah, there were just some certain aspects that I think were overlooked or um, I guess I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that legalism was kind of really pushed. But then at the same time, it was also like having struggling with mental health was kind of like the cool thing. And so it was more of a focus on like you are loved and accepted for struggling with these things, but there wasn't ever like a plan for how to deal with it and like how God wants us to deal with those emotions. It was more of just like, God loves you, even though you have these emotions. And then there wasn't anything beside that. And so I just felt like it was a very, like, it was very cyclical. Like there wasn't ever really an escape until you left, which obviously, of course, I didn't realize while I was there because you're in the cycle. And so there's been a lot of just unpacking and uh, learning how to deal with those kind of things now that I'm not there anymore. And so again, like nothing, it wasn't necessarily bad. It was just that every school that you go to is going to fall on one end of the spectrum. And that's where our school fell. At least that's how I experienced it. Do you feel like as an MK pastor's kid, et cetera, um, you had the space to care for your mental health? Or was that something that you didn't really feel like you had the space or the invitation to work through and um, heal until you left and like moved to the States? I definitely feel like I had the space too. I think I, I looked for that space in the wrong places at first. Um, a lot of the resources that were provided were not good resources in the beginning. And it actually made, (laughs) it took me a couple steps backwards to be honest, but especially in my own home, I definitely had the space to process. I think that leaving allowed for more space to process than if I had stayed, but were there times that I felt like I couldn't? Yes. But it wasn't ever, like, it wasn't ever, like, a dangerous, like, I feel like I can't express myself like that. I always had my core people that I could. And so. Mm -hmm. 
tell me about the decision to go to college. Um, like you have quite literally the whole globe at your fingertips. What made you decide to go to the U.S.? Was that kind of like an unspoken expectation or was there a desire to kind of get away? Like, just tell me about that mm -hmm. whole experience back in that high schooler mindset. You're looking ahead. You're like, oh, my gosh, I could go anywhere. Right, really. yeah. uh, Funnily enough, I never really thought about going to university uh, elsewhere besides the U.S. until like my senior year of high school. I was like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> I could do that. But I think just because the international schools that I went to used American curriculum, it just made sense for me to go to the U.S. When it came time for the decision to roll around, financially, it made more sense for me to go to school in the U.S. And then when I found out that my family was also going to be moving back at the same time that I was. It was just kind of a no brainer. Like, of course, I'm going to go to school in the U.S. and be close to my family um, just because never did I ever think I was going to be I would be able to go to school in the same continent as my family, let alone the same state. And so I wanted to take advantage of that. Yeah. What was that transition like for you? Oh, my gosh. Um <laughs> Asking really simple, just you know, easy questions yeah, here. So um, easy. Um, wow. I really feel like, of course, it wasn't the wrong time to move back to the U.S. because God's timing is sovereign. But if I didn't believe in God, it was the worst time to move back to the U.S. because, like, the pandemic. Because it was the summer of 2020. Um, it was yeah. the middle of the election year, and I moved to Florida. <laughs> um, and. It Oh my gosh. And then my family moved back. It was, oh my gosh. And also I went from learning like everything, like, you know, like a typical high school, like academic schedule to learning music for like eight hours a day. And so it mm. was so, and I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but whenever I come back to the U S I actually have a harder time transitioning back than when I moved to a different country, because I feel like I should already know what's going on because I'm quote unquote American. And so then I get easily mm -hmm. frustrated with, with myself when I don't understand. And so I had to really learn how to be like, no, I need to pretend like America is a new country <laughs> that I have to be like, mm -hmm. oh, this is a cultural thing that I need to learn instead of being like, why don't I understand this? Um, and I also, through a lot of trial and error, had to figure out which people were the safe people to ask questions of. Because um, I definitely did ask questions of people that I shouldn't have asked. Um, and that's okay, because some people just aren't, able to answer those questions and that's nothing against them so i for me personally it was a tough transition for my family i think it was a lot harder aside from your family what do you, what did you do to kind of cope to process to grieve to like settle into your new home did you find rhythms where you just was it a year of just really intense um mental illness as you're adjusting like what did what was that like um, yeah um, yeah, for sure. The first year was just rough and a lot of, I, yeah, I really had some of the lowest mental health that I've had. I think it took me a really long time to cope, to figure out healthy ways to cope. And part of that was like, kind of like what we talked about earlier, like actually embracing my MK-ness and not being like, oh yeah, I'm an MK, but being like, heck yeah, I'm an MK. And like, embracing that um and also part of that just comes like is a part of my story too with like it took me until this past summer to realize that I'm called back to the mission field which is hilarious because like mm -hmm. everybody else in my life knew that except for me and so once God revealed that to me in his timing like I've been I've been so much more at ease with being in America and 
just being comfortable here because I think for a while I was afraid to get comfortable. But once God was like, no, like you just need to trust me. I am going to take you places and you don't need to worry about it because I've called you to be here right now. I was like, oh, okay. So a lot of that just has to do with learning how to actively rest in the Lord instead of just passively resting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know a lot of MKs are driven the opposite direction. They're like, no, I'm not touching ministry, mission Mm -hmm. field. Absolutely not. Um, Did you have some of that? Like, what do you mean? Or um, any initial fears or even the idea of like potentially raising other MKs? Mm -hmm. Like what has that thought process been? I'm sure there's still obviously you're not currently raising a family. Um, But just like in your MK brand, I know your dad is an MK too, right? So you were raised by Yeah. So for a while, I like just like kind of I said I was keeping the door open for whatever God wanted to to do with my life. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to like say I'm going to go to the mission field and that's not God's plan. Like I want to keep it open. But I think I was just kind of like, oh, maybe I don't want to go back to the mission field. Maybe I just want to do a job that involves traveling. And also a lot of that had to do with um, being afraid that I wouldn't be able to find somebody who would want to do that with me. Mm hmm because I hadn't. And I, now the conversation has turned less into what if, what if nobody wants to do it with me instead of being like, God is enough for me to do it. Like I can do this because of my relationship with God. And if I have to do it single for the rest of my life, so be it. But also like, how awesome is it going to be when I find a man who is just as passionate about this as I am? And we get to do it together. Like that just gets me so excited. Um, And also like the amount of just like peace and confidence that I have since surrendering that to the Lord and being like, okay, I guess I am called Mm -hmm. to this is like astronomical. And so it kind of makes me sad that I didn't like respond to that calling sooner. I feel like I would have had a lot more freedom to explore and like pray and prepare. And when it comes to raising other MKs, my I personally believe my family did a fantastic job. I commend my parents so much. They had like going back now and having conversations with them. I literally took a parenting class this summer and I would just afterwards sit with my parents because they were in it too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't understand when you guys were doing this, you were doing this. And then they were like, oh, we're so glad that that actually (laughs) came across. And then there's other things, of course, where like my mom was like, do you remember me talking to you about this? And I was like, I just remember you talking a lot. So no, but I only dream and hope that my kids get to have a similar experience as I do and that they fall in love with missions and that it's a family endeavor and not just me and dad. You know what I mean? I want them. I, the relationship that I had with the Lord as a kid, I would love for my children to just be as enamored with him as I was. Is there anything specific you feel like your parents did or you as a family did? um, I don't know, to process, to prepare for moves or anything that you're like, oh, yes, I would absolutely suggest this to other mm-hmm. families or um, for other TCKs to have a conversation with their parents about it. Yeah, I think something that I really appreciated my parents doing um, was that they incorporated us into the like the choosing process of where we were going to go. Um, it was never dependent on us. Like my parents never said, would you guys be OK with us moving somewhere else? Like it was never that. It was always God is calling us somewhere else we're going to be praying about it. Would you guys like to do it with us? And so like, for example, when my family was living in the U S before we moved to Hungary, um, for a year, my family did, uh, the Joshua project in operation world, you know, where you pray for a different country every day for a year. And mm-hmm. that was first off a great way to open up conversations and learn about the world. And then secondly, 
that's how we were able to narrow it down to St. Petersburg, Russia or Budapest, Hungary. And so then my parents went on a trip and visited both places and they came back and told us we're moving to Budapest, Hungary. And because they had invited me and my siblings, even though we were 10 and eight and five to join them in that, we were like, okay, cool. Like we felt like we were able to make that decision with them. And it was less of a, oh my gosh, my parents are taking me somewhere and I don't want to go. Like it was again, like our family, our missionaries, not mom and dad. And we're just there. That's been something that's heavy that I've had a conversation with my parents about, especially my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel like we were invited into Mm -hmm. that. Uh, I have three siblings for people who who are listening and don't know that. But I think it was just kind of sprung on us. Like there might have been a mention of, oh, yeah, there's a move ahead. Uh, But I remember the first first major move. I mean, we moved when I was five to a different city in the same country, which that felt big at the time. But the move from Estonia to Hungary when I was 10 was kind of like a climax moment in my life feels like a turning point. And I remember I was asleep in the car and my parents thought I was asleep. And so they decided to tell my older siblings that we were moving because they thought my younger brother and I were both asleep. And um, I woke up to the words like we're moving to Hungary. And I just I remember that moment so vividly sitting up me like, huh? So I think that's something that I've had a lot of conversations with other TCKs about, like, what does that dynamic look like in a family? Is that something you bring your kids into? Is that something you don't? Um, I think in the least, even if kids aren't involved in the kind of leading up process of, like, where are we going? I think the processing as a family is so important important. to grieve, to say goodbye. Yeah. To just say, like, you know, this is part of our story, but we are closing closing the book on this chapter or era or whatever. Mm. Yeah. So for you, as you've, I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking and reflection in your college years, (laughs) especially being bombarded with the questions from people who have never left the country. (laughs) What have been some of the heartaches of being a TCK, some of the rewards, Mm. some of the things that you like really carry with you? I'll answer the rewards part first and then I'll talk about heartaches. Um, As far as rewards go, the relationships that I've been able to build since coming to school has been like just life changing and life altering. Um, Mm -hmm. I have relationships with people that like some of them weren't missionary kids, but they are called to the mission field or they're heavily involved in ministry. And just, you know, there's just something different about surrounding yourself with people that are kingdom focused and that are just chasing the Lord and running the race alongside you and because of my upbringing and my my uh tck-ness i am able to join them in this race in a much deeper way and also just i feel like i have the reward of having a wider perspective not a better perspective but a wider perspective and a wider worldview than some of the people that i go to school with and so uh it helps me understand things and adapt easier to situations But when it comes to heartache, there's definitely a lot of things that I miss out on, especially the idea of like belonging. Yes. I have no idea what that's like. And each July 4th just gets so much harder and harder because like I want to, I want to understand what this belonging and this pride in your country is and just like and don't get me wrong, like, I'm so grateful to be an American and as chaotic as the U.S. is, there are a lot of blessings that come with it. But I just I am literally incapable of understanding that. And to my friends that when they go home, it's home. My home is is with my family, 
But even then, all of us, whenever we're together, we'll talk about, oh, do you remember when we did this here and when we did this here? And so my roots are in people's hearts. They're not in a place. And so Mm -hmm. that sometimes makes it hard. I didn't get to leave the country until this summer. So I'd been almost like a year and a half or two years. And since I had left the U.S. and I was getting so claustrophobic and even just walking Mm -hmm. through customs, like I almost cried. Like I was like, this is amazing. I'm so happy. (laughs) And I was going to like a country I'd never been before, but it was still just like so, it's so interesting. Like, and I never thought of myself as somebody who um, would get claustrophobic living in Florida, but um, Mm. there's just that aspect that I'm not, I'm not going to understand. And I, I, I miss out on some of that stuff. Yeah. I was reading a book for a class uh, this past week. It's called On the Road to St. Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you say it, by James K. Smith. Um, And he's not a TCK, but he's describing, he's using these metaphors of like life on the road and all that, describing the life of a believer. But I was so struck as a TCK um, by some of the images he used, and he was describing um, the endless kind of soul exhaustion of not knowing mm-hmm. where your home is. So, I mean, he's talking about it for an unbeliever, but as a TCK, I was just hit, and I was like, yes, like there's, it's a restlessness, and I think he used the phrase like frantic search for rest. Mm-hmm. I don't have the book in front of me, but it's that it's so good. Anyway, and I just, I was struck by that, and it is true. I think it does kind of feel like this endless restlessness, mm-hmm. um, and yes, there is rest in Jesus, and if you are a believer, there is that eternal security of a home. But I think when you haven't known an earthly, stable, this is my permanent physical home, it is so hard to conceptualize that eternal exactly. home. Exactly. Oh, for sure. And I think also something that goes along with that too, like one of the reasons why I think that missionary bubbles or cultures are so strong is because in our line of work, it's so hard to find people with shared life experience. Yeah we desperately cling to the people that we're living with because that's a shared life experience. Like we're living in this foreign country together. And so then when we're uprooted and moved to a school in the U.S. with people that we all share the same nationality, our passports all look the same, but there isn't that shared life experience. And so we can't, like our our, our souls are reaching out and trying to find those people. And like, it makes it a lot harder. For sure. So if you could give advice to a younger TCK, it could be younger you or just another like high school age TCK even or even younger what would you say to them what would you say about growing up about transition about what might be ahead of them I would I would say this to my younger self and to any other younger TCKs to go to therapy even if you feel like nothing's wrong but not just any therapy if you can find a counselor who specializes with missionary kids Um, Mm -hmm. and who also is a believer, like, even if you feel like there's nothing wrong with you or you don't have anything to process yet because you're not moving, there is probably a lot that you will want to unpack. And if you start working on that now, then your transitions in the future aren't necessarily going to be easier, but you're going to have the tools for how to navigate them as -hmm. opposed to trying to find your tools in the midst of it. Yeah, absolutely. I am, I just preach that. (laughs) Yes. Therapy. Go to therapy. therapy. If you can find a good therapist, go to therapy. Okay, so could you please share with everyone what is your culture shock moment? So this is also this is the first episode, so I feel like I should explain this. This is essentially a moment. It could be funny or serious, just something in another culture that was really impactful, but kind of a little snapshot of that. So I think that's different for everyone. But I would love for you to share your culture shock moment. Oh yes. 
Um, so my culture shock moment actually takes place in the U.S. Um, so my family was on furlough, which for people that don't know what that means, um, essentially some missionaries, um, after a couple of years in their country that they're like serving in, they come back to the U.S. for about a year to do support raising. I was six years old and my family had just moved back to the U.S. And I had been living in Western Africa for like 80% of my life. And when I had lived in the Ivory Coast or in Niger, there were a lot of, uh, like the military, the army would walk around all the time just because both countries were in a lot of civil unrest. And I, being Arena, would greet them all the time. And so I would like salute to them and say, bonjour. And um, (laughs) they would think it's hilarious that this little white girl was like talking to them. And so then they they would stop and talk to me. And so when my family moved to the U.S., uh, my parents took us to the mall. And first off, the mall in of itself is a whole nother culture shock. But um, I saw a mall cop, like one of those security guards. And in my brain, I saw the security outfit and I went, oh, my gosh, that's like someone who's in the military. So I walked up to him and I saluted and I said, bonjour. And that man gave me the worst stank face. and. He, I th- I'm pretty sure he like said something like kind of obscene to me. Like he was like, like what, the, what the heck? And like and my mom was like, hey, why are you talking to my kid this way? And I started crying, and I was like, what did I do wrong? Like this poor man, this poor security officer <laughs> thought I was mocking him, and I was just trying to be nice because I had no idea. And so then my mom had to be like, okay, so this isn't, uh, you can't do that in America. <laughs> And I was like, why? I don't understand. And that was, I just, that was a very pivotal moment for me realizing that, oh, wait a second. This isn't like, I knew they weren't the same, but that was a very cataclysmic moment where I was like, oh, okay. Also very dramatic, not going to lie, but it's fine. <laughs> that is incredible. Um, <laughs> 10 out of 10, the culture shock moment. Um, also, I love the like perfect little French with the salute. It makes it so much better. <laughs> Yeah, that's another fun thing about TCK. We didn't even get into that, but like bilingual oh, right. multiple languages. Okay, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story with yeah. us, talking about being a TCK. I always love talking to you. I love you. We have been friends for, for like, years. So long now. <laughs> Is it, it's, it's like six um, or seven years. Yeah, I know. So yeah, yeah. thank you so thank much. Thank you for doing this um, and thanks for... I feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had more and it's going to open the floor mm-hmm. for better questions. I feel like once we're ta- having these conversations, it's going to help pave the way for the kids that we're going to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so as always, um, everyone, I will see you later. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of See You Later. I hope this conversation reminded you of something you can now go unpack or made you feel less alone or maybe just made you laugh. It is an absolute joy to know the incredible humans featured on this podcast, and I hope you feel as honored as I do to be led into their stories. If you're interested, you can check out the show notes for any resources mentioned in the episode. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here. And as always, see you later.